Open your Bibles up, if you would, to Ephesians chapter 5, verse 21. Ephesians 5, 21. Anybody want to talk about submission and stuff like that? Yeah. <laughs> Woo! Yeah! <laughs> yeah! Well, hey, happy Mother's Day once again, moms. That's where the, we got a mom amen. Come on, guys. Yes! Yes! I'm in a good mood. Okay, I love doing baby dedications, and uh, doing them in two services is actually a little more calm. You know, we've, uh, it's a prolifically, uh, prolifically, uh, lots of babies, whatever the word is there. And we've had a man where they're just like, whoosh, and up here, and it's a big party, and so that was kind of fun. All right, I'm going to preach. Is there more? We've been hitting this, and I'm wrapping it up today. Is there more? Is there more life on Easter? Yes, more life. Is there more grace the next week? Yes, God's always going to be there with grace. Is there, is there more unity? Yes, he's got this one family thing that he's doing in Christ where the walls are down, and we are one family. Is there more? What did we talk about last week? Anybody? Maturity. Is there more maturity? Yes, we're growing up. I'm not done. You're not done. Jackie looks more like Jesus than she used to 28 years ago. Yeah. And so we're all changing. We're all being conformed to the image of Christ. And so today we're asking, is there more in our marriages and in our families? And the answer is, y'all yes. stand up. Let's honor God in the reading of the scriptures this morning for the whole, this is the household part of Ephesians. Just like Ephesians ends this way, so does Colossians. And this is the household part where Paul's working out what he's been talking about in this whole letter. So let's read this together. I will finish by saying, this is the word of God. And you say with me, thanks be to God. Okay? Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the, the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body, of which he is the Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church, without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless." In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated his own body, but he feeds it and cares for it, just as Christ does the church, for we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I'm talking about Christ and the church. However, each of you should... Uh, each one of you must also love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Slaves, obey your earthly masters with respect and fear and with sincerity of heart, just as you would obey Christ. Obey them not only to win their favor when their eye is on you, but like slaves of Christ, 
doing the will of God from your heart. Serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord, not men, because you know that the Lord will, will reward everyone for whatever good he does, whether slave or free. And masters, treat your slaves in the same way. Do not threaten them, since you know that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven, and there is no favoritism with him. This is the word of God. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. Amen. So, it's not hard, I don't think, it's not hard to think about how we long for more in marriage and long for more in our family lives. And it kind of works like this. It depends on, you know, uh, it, I think it's something natural that God's put in us, but if you've had any kind of problems, maybe experiences that might make you long for more, uh, maybe your parents, something happened in your family, mom and dad, you know, I know in my own situation, from 10th grade until after when I graduated from high school, my parents, it was just on the rocks. Didn't know if they were going to make it, and they made it, but man, I mean, it really, it, it, uh, it did something in my heart during all of that time. Kim's dad left when she was 13, you know, the whole door closing thing, I've told that story before, and the knob turning, and that was the end, you know, and so, you know, we both, we went into marriage wanting there to be more than what we'd experienced, you know, and wanting that, wanting, you know, and so some of you guys have positive models on that, others have negative or hard things that happened, and the Lord puts that desire in us to want more to happen, want to see more, want to uh, experience more, and here's the word for us today is that God, no matter where you're at this morning, God hasn't given up on you. And God wants to meet you right where you're at today. And all the things that are going on, the trials, the hard things, the good things. And part of the help that I got in uh, just marriage in general was from this particular passage. I had a revelation one day. I was just reading this passage and I, I had a revelation. I mean, when I say revelation, I'm not, not, it wasn't like a mystical vision, but it was like, I saw something in this passage that I hadn't seen before. That's what I, you know, you can read a passage 50 times and then on 51, it's like something happens and you like get it. And so that's what happened with me on this. This is a profound mystery, but I'm talking about Christ and the church. And I realized that the reality that our relationship pointed to was going to, of Christ and the church was going to be forever intensifying and deepening. And that was my revelation. And I went home and I told Kim, I was like, oh, this is incredible. I had veins and stuff. And she's just right there with me. And she's like, okay. And I'm like, this is incredible. It's going to get better and better and better and better until the day we die. She's like, okay, okay. No, I'm, I'm, I'm being serious. I mean, like in every way, emotionally, spiritually, physically, we should expect it to get better and better because we're just a shadow of this ever intensifying, deepening love relationship between Christ and the church. And you may have heard me say that a hundred times, and maybe it'll be revelation for you, you know. But I, that was 20 years ago, 18, 20 years ago, something like that. That has shaped our marriage ever since then. Because if you've ever thought, wow, I think, you know, because I, I had some guys early on, I was uh, working at a few different places, just kind of getting out of school, wasn't quite out of school. And they said, yeah, you know, you're about to get married, and it's just, or you, I had just gotten married. They said, it's kind of like a roller coaster. It just kind of goes up, 
you know, and then you have a few loops along the way, and then it just kind of runs out of juice about 50 or 55. And I was like, I really wasn't really walking with the Lord yet. But I was like, you know, I don't, I don't know if that sounds right to me. And so when I found this, I was like, this sounds way more right to me. Uh, and it gave me way more uh, encouragement, and energy, hope for the future. And I just want to say, as I'm talking about this, that God is way more into your marriage and way more into your family than you could ever be. You know, we don't know a lot about what God was doing before creation. I mean, that's, wow, what a mystery, right? But one of the things we do know that's explicitly stated in Scripture is that before the creation of the world ever happened, He chose us to be adopted into His family. That He's a God of love and that He's chosen us. He is for us to bring us into His family of love. And that's good news. Uh, Paul prays, like I was praying earlier, that we would know this Father through wisdom and revelation. That's uh, uh, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 17. He prays again that uh, later, that, that, that the, whole, the whole family in heaven and on earth, that we would know Christ in our hearts so that we could know His ever-expanding love and be able to give that to others. And it would be something that we would grow up into. We don't have it all down just yet. One of my favorite theologians is a guy named J.B. Torrance. And here's one of my favorite quotes from my favorite uh, theologians. He says, at the center of the New Testament is Jesus Christ. And I'm going to just say, not just the New Testament. At the center of the New Testament, creation and all things is Jesus Christ and His relationship of love with His Father in the Spirit. You know, that's what's going on. And when you read the Bible... That's what's going on. Before creation ever happened, God had this unbelievable, uncontainable love that resulted in Him creating us to be adopted into that circle of love and fellowship. Isn't that good news? I'm going to say some other stuff, but that, that's pretty good. Romans 8 is another place where, you know, it's just like if you're ever confused about what God's trying to do, how much love He's trying to pour into your family, that you could then share that love with others. There is nothing that can ever separate you from the love of God. Nothing. Romans 8. I mean, just not heights, depths, angels, demons, life, death. Anything on planet earth can separate you from the love of God that is ours in Christ Jesus our Lord. That is, that's like, that's amen stuff. It really is. It's good news. And so, God is into Family love, that's what I'm trying to say. He's into family love, and he's into us being brought into that, and he's into us sharing that. He ultimately wants his presence, and it's, it's him that we need. It's the presence of God that we need more than anything else. We need his presence in our marriage, in our families. Um, we need the presence of Jesus, the, the giving, serving, loving, other-preferring thing that happens when agape is really happening in lo uh, that kind of love between two people. And, and, uh, and the, the height of that, the, you know, the trajectory of the New Testament is that we would experience union in Christ. Union with Christ and have His whole heart of love flowing. You know, starting, if you're married, starting in a marriage. If you have kids, flowing to the kids. 
if you are single, flowing to your roommates and people you live life with, that it would come into us and through us, and His life would be expressed every, every, in every way possible. Union with Christ. And so that's, the, that's what family's built on. Family's built on this deep, deep truth. This foundation of Jesus Christ in His presence. And so, the main thing then, is that treasuring the presence of Jesus is the key to the life and health that we long for in our families, in our marriages, that kind of stuff. Does that make sense? Trying to just carve out a real clear understanding here. When we treasure Jesus, everything changes. Everything changes from the way we treat our husbands or our wives to the sin that we accept or the sin that we find disgusting because we want Jesus. He is our... He's the power for holiness in our lives. And it's not just saying no to stuff. It's saying yes to the beautiful one, the the lover of our souls. And it's going to affect the way we love and serve and honor people, all that. So let's talk about a few things. And then I'm going to get back to some more habits like I've been finishing. Each one of these uh, messages is with habits that, that shape us. So here we go. Treasuring the presence of Jesus in our families will mean, number one, more Submission. There we go. <laughs> More submission. First, okay, okay, I wonder who, I just have to pick on the guys sometimes. I wonder who did put submit to one another out of reverence for Christ and stuck it up above the, the wives and husbands little section. Does your Bible do that too? Like, it's separated like, like, Wives submit to husbands, that's family stuff. And then, oh, back up here, there's this other verse. Right before it, the, next, the one right before it. Because some guys are going, well, what are you saying? Well, I'm saying it probably goes together. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. Okay, so this one is really misunderstood. Hey, Amen. It's really misunderstood, and it gets ugly. It gets ugly when you got needy, insecure guys trying to point to that verse to get women to do something. And not just women. I mean, that would be even weirder. Women in general? You know, or just even get their wife to do something. Like, you know, you need to, you need to submit to me. You need to do what I say. Okay? So, just want to say, if, if your heart is in that place, watch out. It's not a good place to be in. Okay, that's not what that Bible verse is, is, is there for, so that you can go around pointing it at your female uh, spouse there, right? So there's two big thoughts going on here. Everybody take a deep breath. I, I'm, I'm happy. <laughs> it's it's going to be okay. <laughs> um, two big thoughts here. One is, the first one from uh, verse 21, is mutual submission. So mutual submission is the lead-off. Because Jesus Christ is the Lord, we mutually submit to one another. He's her Lord, and He's my Lord. Submit to one another out of reverence for Jesus Christ, who is the King and who is the Lord. And that's the subversive part of this this whole passage on the household code and all the things that are happening here, is that Jesus Christ is now the Lord. It's not just, you know... Arr, you know, the guy 
you know, just kind of le- levying down judgments and telling everybody what to do. The second one, the second big piece about submission here is Jesus Christ himself. Who is the most submitted person who ever, ever, ever lived? Ever. Jesus. The most submitted ever. He lived in the most submission ever. Oh, by the way, he also exercised the most authority ever. He only did, he he lived his whole life under the Father. The most submitted ever. He only did what he saw the Father doing. He only said what he heard the Father saying. Imagine living that submitted to Jesus. That's that's a mind blower. When we treasure Jesus Christ like that, or in any kind of a trajectory that's moving toward that, we're moving in the right direction. When we treasure Jesus, the atmosphere of humility and coming under is the atmosphere of our household. And that kind of atmosphere is contagious. It's, it's good. Instead of tit for tat fighting, you said this, I'm going to say this back to you. You got to do this, I'm going to get to do that. Instead of that kind of contentious tit for tat, wrong kingdom, not the kingdom of God. It's one of harmony. And, it, and it, when there's humility like that, and there's submission like that, whether it's her toward me or me toward her, it, it has a way of bringing beauty into, and it, and it cuts under my, if I'm being mean about something, or I'm getting all worked up about something, and it cuts under, if I'll do that with her, it cuts under, and it, it, it just, it makes her want to be responsive. And that's part of our story, you know, it's just down through the years, just, we might be sideways about something, and I would uh, humble myself to her and say, hey, that, I, I want to take responsibility for that. And she, she'd tell me later, she'd say, well, I know it was my fault, and I couldn't believe you were saying that, and it made, it said, it made me mad, you know, but, but it brought us together. It brought us together, that kind of mutual uh, submission and that kind of uh, kingdom atmosphere instead of the tit-for-tat atmosphere. And even as I'm saying this, guys, I know there's, uh, you don't have to raise your hand, I know people have had fights, little arguments, (laughs) people literally are nudging each other right (laughs) now, and I just want to speak grace to every person here, the grace of God. He's a loving God who forgives. He's a loving God who forgives. And maybe you lost it, you blew it, whatever. He, he just, he loves you. Just, just, here we are. And I love Brother Lawrence. He said, I just, I thank you for the blood of Jesus. And apart from you, I can do no better. And when you blow it, really, there's not a lot else you can do. Apart from you, Jesus, I can do no better. And then keep coming. Keep coming toward relationship. Keep turning. Keep turning. Because that's what God is like. In our marriage, uh, yeah, uh, I, I think I shared the little practical example I was going to share there. So there's so, uh, there's so much about submission, but it's, it's, it's marked off. One of the main ways that, that submission is rightly understood is by the love of Jesus. Okay, so now let's talk about the second one. So you've got submission coming under, and then you've got love is the other piece. Treasuring Jesus, the presence of Jesus in our families, will mean more love. So husbands, 
love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Okay, so imagine what kind of how submission would go if all the guys would love their wives the way Christ loved the church. So if you had a radical, agape, willing to die for, coming just that kind of sacrificial love, what's going what's to happen in this, this lovely woman's life if I'm living like that? How would you respond? Lexi, how, if he's loving you like that, how are you going to, what's going on in your heart? Emily, Pam. You know, it's, it, it's going to do something there, but it's, there is an initiation of love on the husband's part. Uh, Jesus, we're following Jesus in this initiation of radical, other-centered, uh, not self-centered, not tit-for-tat uh, kind of love. Jesus shows us what humanity, this is what humanity is supposed to look like. This kind of love in a marriage uh, you, you know, context that kind of other-centered love. And the big thing that Jesus is showing us in doing in, in the cross and laying down His life for us is that that's what God is like. That's what God is like. So God is other-centered, even within the Trinity. It's Jesus prefers the Father's will. The Father is just loving Him in the Spirit. You know, And there's this wonderful, beautiful expression of love. And we are the more we become involved in the great dance of the triune God, the more we are going to express that in our marriages and in our families. The more we are going to be thinking about this kind of love getting worked out in our midst. Sometimes we think, maybe, maybe you do, I don't know, but I think we think sometimes that uh, marriage is like this thing God gave us. And oh, by the way, um, He's given us some scriptures to kind of do it better. You know, there's marriage, and then he gave us some scriptures to kind of do the thing better. Now, I want us to reconceive of that. God loved us so much that in his creating us, he gave us marriage to help us understand how much he loves us. It's a, it's a shadow pointing to some great reality, right, of Christ in the church. He gave us this more love, peace, that we, that we only understand at the pinnacle of when marriage is working the way it's supposed to be working, I get some idea, not just of how much I love her, but of how much God loves me and how much God loves us. A level of intimacy that is, it's, it's beyond my ability to speak into words. And I'm 29 years next week, 29 years into this thing, and I understand more than I did, but I don't understand all that I will. You know, so almost a year's worth. It's it, about to start happening on June 7th. Yes. Um, do, do you see what I'm saying? It's like, I can't. I can't say this because it can't be said. God knew it couldn't be said. We say God is love and we go... And that's why He gave us this so we could understand some pieces, get some handles, some, get some, some grasp 
of how awesome, how absolutely beyond words this kind of love, this kind of intimacy is when we treasure Jesus Christ in this relationship. I think that's good. I'll move on. Okay, so treasuring Jesus in our family is going to mean more submission, more love, a little bigger, more honor, more honor, also more honor. So this is to the children thing. Children, obey your parents, honor them. It's the first promise with a blessing attached to it. Honor your parents, honor mom and dad. So when Jesus is treasured in our families, then there's going to be more honor. Why is there going to be more honor when Jesus is being treasured? Well, if Jesus is being treasured, then the submission thing, not only women to men, husbands to, uh, wives to husbands, but also mutual submission is going to be happening. So is this agape love thing where I'm preferring her and where she's preferring me. We're laying down our lives for each other. That kind of deep, other-centered, other-preferring kind of love is happening. And then kids are being raised in that kind of environment where love and submission and respect is just the atmosphere. It's what we breathe in and out. And children are going to see that. And they see mom and dad loving each other, preferring each other, respecting each other, those kinds of things. And it's going to make them become more and more alive in Christ as well. Um, it results in these kinds of things like, I want, to, I want to have a godly response and obedience and, and honor. Think about it like this. Because I keep pointing everybody to Jesus. Jesus was a son. Right? He was the son who honored his father in all things, right? He's kind of the ultimate child, you know, of honor. In terms of, I, I, I want to do what you say, Father, constantly, continuously, and without, uh, you know, w- without uh, exception. He does that. And so, when we experience the presence of Jesus in our families, and we're trying to parent these kid, kiddos and raise them up to know the Lord, we will press through their objections We will press through and uh, persevere. We will keep going when I'm just tired and they're being cranky and I don't want to deal with that. We're in public right now and I don't want to mess mess with that whole situation. But because we treasure Jesus, we're going to keep going. We're going to persevere. We're going to endure. And and we're going to let them know you are not going to win. You're trying to win, but you are not going to win. And we're going to keep going in love and help you learn to honor us. We've we said that. I love you, and you are not going to win. There's lots of other parental tips we can give you along the way. But we've had to press through with perseverance. You, the deal is, guys, kids will press the boundaries. It's a part of our flesh. It's part of the sinful nature is to press the boundaries. I think it's raining a little harder. Everybody's, we're, let's just acknowledge this little thing together. Now we can move on. 
My kids will press the boundaries. Somebody, amen out there. And they are going to find out, you know, what will you allow? They will push your buttons. So, I feel like I'm just out there on a shaky limb here. Will they push your buttons? Should I? Yeah, okay. they, will push you. they will push your buttons. And the more space you give, the more they will take. You know, it's just, that's the way it works. And uh, so, so we want to be uh, people that help them understand proper boundaries and love and, and work through, even when we're tired and we don't feel like it, keep working through the, 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 the things that will help them grow up to be kids uh, that, that honor dad and mom, right? So one more here, and that is, uh, treasuring Jesus, treasuring Jesus in our families will mean, and this is awkward the way I wrote this, more making things right. Now, that's not a good sentence, I know. More making things right, but that's, I, making things right is what I wanted to say, and I've been using the more, so it's gonna, that's what it's going to mean. More of that, more of making things right. So here, Paul gives this word about slavery. And slaves, obey your earthly masters. Do it as if you were obeying Christ. You know, and masters, remember that you have a master in heaven and there's no favoritism. Again, this is such a subversive uh, kind of word because, uh, you know, we take this passage and we apply it to employers and employees and that kind of thing. And that's not untrue. It's just not, that's not what it's about. It's actually about slavery. And it's about Jesus Christ being the head in the house. And Jesus, when Jesus is the head in the house, then everything changes. Everything, everything changes. The way husbands relate to wives, wives to husbands, kids to parents, and the way slaves relate to masters, and the way the master relates to the, the, the slaves. Now, this is a pretty hard word because back then, what do you think, Nancy, how many slaves in the first century? 60% slaves. So this is an unbelievably subversive you know, word at, at the time. So, uh, you know, big time deal. The man was, I, you know, I, I did the pose a minute ago, but the man was the, the master. He was the master of the house. And so Paul's coming along and he's saying, Jesus Christ is the master of the house. He is the Lord. He's the new master. And when you, when you recognize that, then everything changes. It, it really does. What happens when Jesus is the Lord? Things get right. Between husbands and wives, between parents and children, things get right. And the difference between where we're at right now and whatever needs to change in our family is a journey that Jesus Christ the Lord is going to lead us on. Yes, there's tension between here and where we're going. But it doesn't mean we just bow out of the whole journey. It, it is a journey. It's the kingdom. It's, it's now, and it's still not yet. I'm, we haven't seen him face to face. We haven't been fully transformed into glory, the glorious bodies that we're going to have. We're not, we don't know him fully as we will know him. But we're on this journey. Everybody tracking? So that's a big deal in this. It encourages us. Man, I mean, could they understand that slavery needed to not be there anymore? Well, I, I, it, it was like, you know what it's like? It's like leaven in a loaf that started a process that people worked through more and more over time. Why did it take us 1,800 years 
in the United States of America. The country wasn't going that long, but I mean, the Scripture had been having that impact, and, and by the time the country gets going, slavery's happening, it does start having an impact. There were always people opposing that, even from the very beginning. You know, people that, that saw that, that saw what Scripture was saying about how we're supposed to treat people in a way that humanizes and not dehumanizes the value, the unsurpassable value that every single person on planet Earth has. It was worth Jesus Christ dying on the cross. If you question anybody's value, just know that it was worth the infinite love of God being expressed in the death of Jesus for that person or those people. Treasuring Jesus, honoring Him as Lord is like that leaven that's going to change our homes, our marriages, our families, our kids, our parenting, all that stuff. So let's talk about some practical habits. Next, just take five minutes here to do this. Some practical habits that, that shape us. And I, I want to say it like this. Uh, I should have said this one probably earlier, but there's different kinds of habits. There's, uh, um, I don't know that I've preached many times in such a torrential downpour. It's just, it's like, wow. Um, so, uh, yeah, this is like our wedding. It is like our wedding. Um, photographer didn't make it. He had a wreck and a ditch. And old old guy named Harold Manasco had a 35 millimeter and took a few shots. At our, that's how we had some pictures taken. It was before phones. It was a long time before phones, actually. A couple decades. Um, yeah, okay. So, uh, here's what I'll say about habits. There are thin habits and there are thick habits. What I've been saying, it, the reason we're finishing each message this way, is that habit, it's not just what you think is what you're going to end up doing. You will, your, your heart will be captivated by what you habitually do over and over and over again. It becomes a part of us, you know, and so we can have good ones, bad ones. We can have thin habits and thick habits, thin ones that we do that doesn't really, you know, it, it's, it's not as big a deal. I brush my teeth every single morning, but it doesn't shape my identity. You know, like, hey, there's Jamie, the toothbrusher. <laughs> I drive a car, you know, but I'm not identified as the car driver guy. It's a thin habit. It's in, but, you know, when you're first doing it, you know, you have to work at it. You have, to, you have to gas, brake. We were talking about that. You have to think about it. But over time, you stop thinking about it, and it just becomes a part of your life. There are other habits that are thicker. What I mean by thicker is they, they bring more weight into our lives. So walking could seem like a thin habit. I'm doing that to maybe, you know, physical training is of some value. <laughs> I just, I was laughing the other day just going, I used to mock the walking guys. I, I did, I, I, I did. As back when I was still bringing it, had a, had a knee, finishing at the hoop. It was a long time ago, it was a long time ago. <laughs> I remember it better and better all the time. It's just, wham, Todd. But uh, walking could be thin, you know, but what goes along with walking when you're walking with your spouse and you do that regularly and log 10, 15 miles a week? We get a lot of talking done in that, in that time. We talk about what's going on in our lives. And, and so it, it, what seems like a thin habit becomes a thick habit because it builds communication and intimacy in marriage. 
Does that make sense? So you got thin habits, you got thick habits. Let's talk about a few. Most of the marriage and family ones, they're going to be pretty thick if you get something going because it promotes a deeper relationship, intimacy, more love that's more holistic and touches different areas of life. And I would even say physical intimacy is going to be touched. It's going to be connected to all these little things along the way, right? So big deal there. Uh, so let's talk about a few of these habits. Um, date nights. Date nights, number one. Anybody like a date night? Yes. Date nights, okay. Anybody got some great date night stories? Like, you ever had a bomb out date night? Or just, you know, you don't have to spend a lot of money, you know. Uh, but I, I will give you this tip. Maybe don't talk so much about work uh, on, your, on your date night. Some of our most memorably negative blow-ups have happened talking about trying to work through the unworkable, you know, I can't figure this out either. There was a a guy here last week, a a kid that just worked a Rubik's. I I messed it up for him, and he worked it out in about a minute. But there's a lot of things about work that aren't like that. You know, it's just, that's why I like mowing my yard. You know, I mow it, and then I I taught Matthew, and then you stand out and you look at it like this, and you go. Literally, literally, I said, this is what you do, buddy. That's how you do this. Because there's so much of life that's not like that. Marriages, pastoring, ministry stuff. Yeah, it's still going to be a problem. It's still just going to be happening. You know, that's life, right? So, uh, date nights. Okay. You, I'm not going to take this long on all of them. Just, we'll... Clean the floors. Clean the floors. It's one of my personal favorites. I have probably cleaned the floors, whole wedding, all, all, a whole wedding, whole marriage, and uh, and then we we got these uh, hardwood floors about I don't know three or four years ago, and I have been obsessive about the hardwood floor. It's weird. It's another one of those. It's clean, you know, deal, but uh, but it so communicates love to Kim, and so I, it, we have this ritual. I clean the floors. And then at the end of it, I either ask a rhetor- I make a rhetorical statement or ask a rhetorical kind of question that goes something like this. Wow, these floors look great. <laughs> or wow, don't these floors look great? And she's like, these floors look great. I love you. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> but that's a habit that communicate because most of the she she's really does great in the house and most a lot of that stuff's just her and this is me jumping in and supporting her in a little deal that communicates love and and she receives it that way and, and then I get to obsessively enjoy the floors being <laughs> being clean um yeah okay phones here's another one phones that's an add-on it's not in your notes but we talked about this last week let me see in your purse is my phone so uh so a lot of us have phones, a little smartphone of some kind. And uh, last week we talked about the fact that uh, a survey was done. People look at their phones that have a smartphone 250 to 260 times a day. It's embarrassing. Some of those are excellent uh, uses of the phone. Uh, but what we found is, is that you can use things like this. A little habit would be to use this in a way that 
builds the other person up. So you do heart eyes at her. You do a kissy blow things at her. I'm just, I'm trying to, this is practical. What are habits that you can build in? Um, You can make sure that you're not sending those text threads to somebody else. I've done all that. Before Voxer, there was an app called Haytel. And uh, one time I, I, I sent, I, it, I, was, it, it, I was romanticizing Kim. And, uh, and I, sent the, uh, I sent the message to the senior pastor of Antioch Norman, who I had also been talking with earlier that day. <laughs> he was in a life group and quickly fired back, Hey man, everybody in the life group loves your message. You really should check who you're sending that to. But that's a positive use. A negative use, then, would be when you need to do some talking to each other. Now you're not separated, and you don't need the text message to encourage each other. Now you're not separated, and you need to put the thing down. Like phone-free marriage time, where you know uh, all conversations aren't punctuated by a Google search. You know. There used to be times when we'd go, you know, I don't know the answer to that. (laughs) Not anymore, right? (laughs) So, (laughs) so, so we, yeah, phone-free zone on on some of that. That would be good as well. Okay, family dinner. Here's another, I'm getting some family habits. Family dinners, that sound like a good idea? Family meals, eating together, praying Breaking bread, the same thing that allows, that make, means, makes a meal so meaningful between brothers and sisters, makes it meaningful between families. Moms and dads talking about the breaking the bread and ex- expecting to see Jesus in the meal. You know, like Luke 24, they broke the bread and they saw Jesus. You know, let's pray that way. Expect to see Jesus in the meal. So that's a key, thick habit that leads, it's almost like it can be a uh, almost like worship, if you let it be something that important, like a liturgy that we do, that we make time for doing the family dinner together, the family meal. Family devotions would be another one. Family devotions, that's where you, it could be morning or night, you get up, have a little time with God, and for our whole journey, it was then we had a little time with God, and then we'd meet at the table uh, while the kids were home and, and talk about the things of the Lord. 20 minutes, 25 minutes, in and around breakfast, Read a, read a few scriptures, ask what's going on in their lives, and just have some God space. Some space where the kids knew that that was a safe place to talk about the things of God. Okay, so that's, that was huge for us. The kids would say that was such a significant part of our whole family deal. Family traditions. Uh, thinking of a song right now. But, uh, so family traditions, so that's like, Who's got, a fa- who's got a good family tradition that helps build thickness into your family? Somebody shout one out. I'll give you one. Advent. Some of you guys do Advent, you know, with the kids where you take them through the days of Advent and talk about the things of the Lord. What would be another one? An Easter tree. Excellent. Same basic idea. Using, using the church calendar as a family tradition to talk about the things of the Lord. It's awesome. Okay? And there's all kinds of things. And I, hopefully, this would be inspiring and encouraging conversation with uh, dads and moms and kids. 
Uh, here's a great one. Uh, everybody may not, you know, don't know where everybody's at on this, but for us, family fasting was uh, significant along the way. Fasting. And so it became an opportunity uh, for us on a weekly basis to say, hey guys, what can you do without as you're just to, in order to say, Jesus, I want you. I want to press into you and I don't have to have everything that the world has. I don't have to say yes to everything all the time. I, I really can say no in order to say yes to my relationship with Jesus. Okay, that's, that's a good one. That was a big part of growing up uh, for us. It, that changed and modified as the kids got into you know, different levels of uh, higher level sports, and that kind of stuff where you know, fasting could mean fainting, family fainting. Uh, but uh, so family worship would be another one. That's like literally where you get in. Somebody's got a guitar. Nobody plays. You got a CD. You got an iPod. You got something you put on, and you literally get in there and dance around with the little guys and worship. The little guys want to dance, and they're way less hung up about it than us. And they just little become like little children and worship together. Have have a. Fam- home family nights, what we used to call it, setting aside a night where we just had devotions together in the evening. When they're little bitty guys, it was just uh, me. Uh, we didn't have a lot of furniture at the time and just kind of crawling around, being on the floor with them, getting them to look me in the eye. You know, like that was like a big, you know, Wah! they're just. <laughs> and like, well, now we're going to talk. Even if it's just for like 30 seconds, we're just look, look me in the eye. Let's, let's, just helping to learn to listen to adults. We, I'd act out, whatever. Balaam and the donkey, or I, whatever the story was. Family vacations would be another uh, habit. Vacations, modeling life with God when you're on vacation. We had to learn this. We, there was a, a few, we, few times where we did vacation and didn't stay engaged with our family times with God. And then we had to pick, it was hard to kind of get that flow going. And then when we did it on our vacation, we found, man, what a blessing to start the day with God as a family around the picnic table when we're camping down there at Garner and just open the Bible, read scripture, pray. And those conversations a lot of times would be hour and a half. I mean, a good chunk of the morning just just talking about the Lord day after day. Great stuff. So uh, the key on all of this with your parents, uh, with parents is just not giving up talking, have an experiment mentality, you know, don't, and, and it's not like I've got to do all those things, you don't have to do all those things, but it's, it's good to talk about what you might do, and just experiment, have an experiment mentality, there's grace, everybody's not going to do everything the same way, but you need to hear stories about what real people have actually done in real life, like you actually do stuff, and you, you get some ideas from God, and then you say, hey, let's try it, sometimes it works, Sometimes it doesn't. Don't do stuff that doesn't work. You know, be free. And uh, take habits seriously. Um, because when we're living life in the presence of Jesus, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be shaped by what we, what we do. And uh, I just, there's grace for us. There's, it's grace news. It's that now and not yet is that when we treasure Jesus and practice these kinds of habits, we actually start living into what we are destined to become. So that's our identity starts taking over. My question just as we go to some ministry here is, is uh, what if, what would happen if we lived this way? What would happen in our families if we 
took a step forward with our spouse and talked about what do we want to shape in our marriage? What do we want to shape with our kids? And of course, the question we always ask is, after we start dreaming, is, Lord, why not? Why not Beth and Shelby, you know, just having some new vision, some fresh experimental ideas for Dennis and Laura? You know, the older guys, the the more mature ones, we need to keep experimenting. What's going to work with Mike and Pam at this season of life? The same thing with the parents of teenagers and parents of the little guys as well. So stand up. Amen. We want to treasure Jesus Christ in our marriages and in our families.